And tonight, I want to address another difficult topic before I really start diving in. I want to give every single one of you the word for tonight, okay? If there's no other word that you hear tonight, hear this one thing, and I want you to write it down if you're taking notes. Write this one word down, hope. That is the key. Hope is the key. Now, some of you were probably hoping to walk away with an elephant tonight, because that's what I'm thinking whenever I see a giant elephant in the room. How many of y'all would just love to take that elephant home? I don't know what I would do with it, but if I had a pool or if I would go in a river, I would hope I could have something like that. But I do have this little thing. Does anybody want this thing right here? Okay. There you go. Now, when I say the word hope, I am not talking about wishful thinking. I'm not talking about, I hope I get good grades, or I hope that he or she goes on a date with me. It's not necessarily wishful thinking. The hope we're talking about is the security of that something will take place. You're tracking with me. The hope in that something is going to take place, that there is somebody there who is with us who will not forsake us. And so I want to set some groundwork and some foundational truths and principles for us tonight to build on these things. So the first thing is this. I want you to know this, and we try to communicate this with a heart of love and grace with you every single week. I want you to know something, and we want you to know something, is that we love you. When I say we love you, I'm talking about our pastoral team here at our church, our second student staff, the adults here. Listen, students, you need to know something. We believe in what God wants to do in your life. That's why we choose to invest in your life and to pour into your life. We love you. I want you to know something else. This church loves you. This church loves you. And this church welcomes every single one of you. And this church welcomes every single one of your friends. If you've ever walked in here or experienced something different than that, or somebody you know has ever walked in here and experienced something different than that, that is not who we are. That is not how we function. This is not how we operate. This is a place where people can come and be real, be authentic. Let down the walls, let down the things that are binding us. This is a place where you can be loved. I want you to know that right off the gate. I want you to know something this too. God loves you. You're like, I hear that all the time. Let's talk about that tonight. God absolutely, absolutely love you. And there is no problem that is too great that God cannot handle. But we cannot mistake in this, is that God doesn't always change our circumstances in order to make us happy, no. God will work in and through our situation and circumstances to change us. God may not change your circumstances and the things that you're dealing with and going through in life, Because ultimately, God wants to change your heart. He wants to change you despite your circumstances. Recognize that we live in a fallen world. What do I mean by that? As I think at some point in our life that every single one of us have experienced the heartbreak of sin, whether we have committed a sin to somebody or with somebody, or someone has sinned against us that has caused worry, it has caused anxiety, it has caused depression, or it has led us to a point where we've had suicidal thoughts. But recognize that it all stems from a fallen, broken, sinful world. That's a key principle we need to build on tonight. 
scripturally, we need to tackle this issue, the, the security of salvation. And that in Romans chapter eight, it says that if you have believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is nothing, y'all say nothing. There is nothing that can remove you from the hand of God, from his love. There's nothing that can separate you. The only thing that separates us from God is rejecting his son as our Lord and Savior. We also know that we are to guard and protect our hearts. Proverbs tells us in 4.23 to guard our heart for everything flows from that. So we need to understand our salvation is secure if we're in Christ. We also need to understand that we need to guard and protect our hearts because everything that comes from our lives stems from our hearts. Romans 12.2, Paul reminds us that we are not to be conformed by this world, but you and I are to be shaped and molded by the teaching of God's word. Let it renew our mind, and that way we can see what God's will is. Second Corinthians, Paul again talks to us in chapter 12, verse two. He talks about how we can demolish arguments and every permission that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So in those moments of despair and desperation and anxiety, that we would capture those thoughts and recognize it as a tool of the enemy and say, I'm not going to allow this thought or this thing or this situation to enslave me, but instead I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna surrender it to Jesus. These are key foundations, key truths that we need to understand as we go into tonight. And with that being said, with the key word being what? Hope. With that word being out there, I want you guys to watch this video that will help set up the rest of tonight. Check this out. One out of every four people in this world will struggle with a mental illness. Mental illness refers to a wide range of mental health conditions, disorders that affect your mood, thinking, and behavior. Examples include anxiety, schizophrenia, eating disorders, addictive behaviors, and depression. Studies show that suicide is the third leading cause of deaths in youth up to 24 years of age. And over 90% of those who commit suicide suffer from some type of mental illness. And out of all the illnesses you can have, depression is the leading cause of suicide in youth up to 24 years of age. These illnesses have the ability to make those who struggle feel alone and trapped. Internally, we hurt and we fight, while on the outside we try and hide what's really going on. And a lot of times we try and handle this on our own. You need to know that you cannot fight this on your own. It's sad to say that only 20% of youth and young adults living with mental illness have been identified and receiving the health care they need. This is a tragedy. If you are struggling with depression, anxiety, an eating disorder, or any other type of mental illness, you need to know that you are not defined by what you struggle with. You are defined by God's love for you. And he sees you as valuable and worth dying for. You also need to know that there is help. Talk to someone you trust today and let them get you the help you need. And even though you may feel and think that you are broken and beyond repair, you must know that you are 
is hope. At some point in your life, you have experienced an overwhelming moment, have you not? Can anybody say exams and tests, right? Have you ever gone into a star testing week or a series of tests that have just overwhelmed you to where you've just gotten completely stressed out? All right, I'm the only one. At some point in your, okay, now a few more hands. At some point in your life, if you have not already experienced a moment that has overwhelmed you to the point where your emotions get the best of you, you will. But for some of us, you've allowed a season of being overwhelmed and a season of struggle to become a season of sickness that dominates your life. I don't know your struggle. I don't know what you're dealing with and I can't pretend to necessarily understand everything that is going on in your life. But I know this, every single one of us have struggles. We, we struggle unnecessarily with things that Honestly, all we have to do is ask for help. For, for, for example, um, guys, have you ever tried to put on a, a, a button-up shirt like this? Good, that's good, that's a few hands. And then you finally get to the very end, and you know these buttons right here on your arms? Is anybody good at these things? Like really, is anybody good at these things? I don't know about you, but I walk around all the time, I'll put my shirt on, and I need to come get some tips from you guys, because I'm like, kind of doing this. Girls, have your dads, or has anybody ever come up to you and say, like, hey honey, can you kind of help me out a little bit? My wife is the best at this. I'll be like, I need help, okay? I just need, I just need help. Um, and my little daughter, Elizabeth, I think some of y'all seen her, she's two years old, she is awesome. That little girl struggles to put on a little pair of like Spanx pants, you know, like backwards and sideways, and she's trying to get into them. But what does she need to do? She simply just needs to come to mommy and daddy and ask for help, okay? Two Christmases ago, my awesome sister-in-law bought us a basketball goal for our son Joshua. And if you've ever put anything together like a basketball goal before, you know the struggle is real. You know that this thing's gonna take for hours. And we're like, oh, it won't take long. There's two of us. We can do this. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. It was really fun, especially whenever we get to like step number 1002, and you look back and you're like, oh no, we missed step 620. And you have to like redo all these steps just to go back and fix something to redo it. If all we just ask for help. Listen. The struggles in our life, the things that you're dealing with inside your head and your heart, listen, you think, you think you're all alone. You think you have to keep it all to yourself. You think you have to remain silent, but the, the reality is this, is that you are doing an unnecessary struggle by yourself when all you simply need to do is recognize the opportunity to ask for help. Ask someone to help. Don't hide in the darkness, don't hide in shame, don't hide as a, and pretend as if you've got your life all together. You're struggling unnecessarily and come out and, and share. Understand this, it's okay to not be okay. And if you're writing this down, I want you to put a comma. It's, not, it's okay to, to not be okay, comma, but it's not okay to stay that way. Notice I didn't say period. I didn't say it's, it's okay to not be okay, period, as if it's just an excuse to say, okay, I messed up and therefore I'm not gonna do anything about it. No, listen, all of us at some form or fashion are all just messed up people, okay? At some form or fashion, every single one of us has struggles, we've got battles, we've got issues that we are dealing with. 
And it's okay to be right where you're at, but it's not okay to stay that way. It's not okay to stay that way. Worry leads to anxiety. When you have worry that's undealt with, that produces anxiety, when you have anxiety that is undealt with, that leads to depression. Depression that is undealt with leads to suicidal thoughts, and suicidal thoughts that are undealt with lead to suicide. And as you find yourself wrestling with any of these, listen, listen, that's sickness. That's sickness. And I'm not saying that as a point of condemnation. Listen, I'm not saying that as a point to condemn you. I'm saying that as a a point of conversation, to begin a conversation for you to recognize that it's not healthy and it's not okay for you to just stay that way. It's okay to recognize it, but it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to get better. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. So hear me say that. If you're wrestling with it, good, but that's not the intent of how you were designed and how you were to live. And how do I know some of these issues? Because honestly, that's part of my story. That's part of my story. Some of you guys know some of my testimony. I got to share it with some of our high school students in clips this past weekend in Bible study. But as a young junior high student, sixth and seventh grade, I really wasn't all that popular. To be honest with you, I was kind of like one of the outcast kids. Um, at that time in my life, I had what we uh, now call, or probably one of the most famous haircuts of all, is the bowl cut with the middle part down the middle of my head. It was so cool. Um, yeah, just wait till you look back on your pictures later on in life. <laughs> I had glasses, nothing wrong with glasses, but I had glasses. I still wear glasses today. My mom was a single mom, and she did the best she could. She absolutely did the best she could. My mom, she worked really long hours for my sister and I. And I, and I remember growing up thinking in middle school, just like many of you think, that the clothes will make you popular. Well, I didn't have the cool clothes. I didn't have what the popular kids were wearing. And I, I didn't feel like I was fitting in. Until my mom remarried. And I was in eighth grade when she remarried, and all of a sudden, there was a little bit of extra added income into the family, so that provided some new opportunities. So, I think I kept the hair for a little bit, and then I got it cut. I got contacts. I got to buy the fancy collared shirts and the cool shoes. I got a really cool backpack. And so now, now, I'm, now I'm someone, right? Now I feel like I'm, I'm going places. Well, athletically, I stopped tripping over myself. I stopped tripping over myself. I was a, you know, Amanda referred to herself as a giraffe last week. Amanda, I think that's right. I, I can relate to that. For a long time, I was 6'2 in eighth grade and like 100 pounds. I was just skinny, tall and skinny. And finally, I kind of built into my body a little bit. In eighth grade, at the end of my eighth grade year, I was voted most athletic in my school. Okay? I felt like I had the world going. So I go into high school as a freshman. I'm like, man, I was voted the most athletic. I'm dating this cheerleader. This is all good, right? Right? I mean, as a matter of fact, spiritually, my life had never been better. 
Spiritually, I came into this, this age of awakening where all of a sudden I saw what God was doing in my life, the calling he had in my life, things that he wanted me to do, and I began pursuing and seeing God, and I was like, this is awesome. I'm following God, I'm living the way he wants me to, and all these other things are happening. This is all good, and I go to my freshman year with all this confidence, and man, it got even better. I dumped this other girlfriend and started dating the homecoming queen over here who's a sophomore. I thought I really had it all together, and then until one day I was at a, I was at a basketball camp in that summer after my freshman year. I was at the University of Arkansas, Razorbacks. I was at this basketball camp, and I'll never forget, it was like the third day we were there at this camp. And I remember one of the coaches pulling me aside during a drill, and he said, listen, I want you to hear me, son. You're young, but if you keep doing what you're doing, you're gonna play college basketball one day. And I'm like, what? That's cool. That's awesome. And I remember like that same night, we go back to my friend's dad's house, and we didn't have cell phones then, so we had these landline things. He picked up a phone, had a little wire sticking to it. And so um, he goes, hey, your, your mom's on the phone. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Hey, Jason. Hey, mom, what's going on? Kind of weird that you're calling me. Hey, just want to let you know that we're moving. What? Yeah, we're, we're going to move to Salt Lake City, Utah in a couple months. So just want to let you know that. So when you come home and you see some of your stuff kind of get moved around, then kind of wig you out. It's already waking me out. I remember just bawling. Like this, this sophomore type basketball player guy, just everything that I had known in my life and I thought everything was going so well, I was friendships and athletics and school, it was all coming together. All of a sudden the rug, whew. And so I went from having all this to moving all the way across the country not knowing anybody, and I don't know about you, but when I walked into places and I didn't know anybody, it kind of makes me feel uneasy. I remember walking into high school the very first day. School had already been in session for two weeks, and I joined in, and I walked into this school. Mind you, my graduating class was like, I don't know, 800-something people, 900, I don't know. I don't remember. Stuff's irrelevant. I remember walking into this huge building, Viewmont High School, and I'm like, this place is huge, and I don't know anybody. And the place was under construction, which made it even worse. I'm wandering around. I finally get to my first class, and I'll never forget a guy named Cameron. Cameron introduced himself to me, made me feel like I was part of the, the group. Unfortunately, Cameron was one of the few and far between, and so I went to this deep cycle where, honestly, I would get home from school, I would get home from football practice, and again, I'm playing football as a sophomore, and I'm like, cool, things are going great, I'm going to be a starting linebacker, and that's awesome, whatever, I don't care. Cool, I made the basketball team, I'm playing basketball, and as a sophomore, I'm one of the five or six guys dressing up for JV, cool, it just doesn't matter. Awesome, I made the baseball team, uh, sophomore playing baseball, really cool, awesome. Didn't matter because everything I wanted to do was I'd do those things and I'd come home, I'd close my door and I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to go hang out. I didn't want to talk to my parents. I didn't want to do any of that. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like typical like Hey, I'm a teenager, let me do my own thing. Ugh, you're embarrassing me, mom and dad. Like, no, I'm not talking about that. Which, by the way, listen, don't do that. Your parents love you, and if you live in their house and they're putting clothes on your back and they pay for stuff for you, listen, appreciate that, think that. Be appreciative of what you got. I wish somebody would've told me that when I was that age. 
But it was much more than just, I wanna be away from them. It was like, I was depressed. I was depressed to the point where I even had an ulcer. I don't know if you guys know what an ulcer is. This is when you have so much anxiety building up that it produces extra acid within your stomach and the extra acid actually burns a hole in your stomach. Feels really awesome. Not. And to this day, I still deal with reflux and issues that deal with reflux issues. It's not fun. I hate it. I hate it. But I battled this. And I did it alone. I didn't come out of my room asking for help. I flew back to Oklahoma to visit some family friends. They invited me to church. I didn't want to go. I was mad at them. Why would you invite me to church? This is stupid. And I showed up to this, this church, very similar to kind of what you're doing here tonight. And I remember sitting in the crowd, sitting on the ground, being mad because they didn't have a chair for me. And I remember sitting there, and they started talking about Jesus. And I'm like, this is stupid. I don't care. I don't want to be here. And I was that guy who walked in and had the sunglasses on in a room like this. That was me. And I thought I had it all together. Leave me alone. Don't look in my eyes. Just leave me alone. And then all of a sudden, it was as if God was speaking directly to me in that pastor's message, and it was a moment I'll never forget that God said, listen, you're not meant to do this alone. Whatever you're hiding from, come out. Whatever you're dealing with, ask for help. And I thought he was actually calling me out because he's like, and some of you, you feel like you're hiding behind something like glasses. And I'm like, taking my sunglasses off like this. Because <laughs> he's talking to me. And it was in that moment I realized something. That God was for me. That God did have a plan. That God wanted to, to work in my life. God didn't want to change the circumstance of me moving to Utah. But he was trying to show me and mold me into the person he wanted me to be. Did you know that in that same year, going into my junior year, that was the year that God called me to be a pastor. Right after depression, God said, I'm gonna show you something. I've called you to be a pastor. And I don't know if I would've answered that call or seen that call had I stayed in Oklahoma, because I guarantee you the same group of people that I was running with in Oklahoma, who I thought had it all together, actually by that same point in time were getting involved with drugs and alcohol, sex and all these other things that if I would've gotten caught up with, I would've missed so much that God had planned for me. You see, I can relate when it comes to anxiety, depression, and worry, because I was there. It's part of my story. I want to read some scripture with you tonight. And this is not just like, oh, the icing on the cake to this message. I set this up on purpose, and I want to go to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4. It says, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins... He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he does for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I wanna jump forward to verse 12, halfway through. It says, and you did not know the, co the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without, there's our word for tonight, everybody say it with me, and without hope. They lived without hope. People apart from God did not know his truths, did not know his covenants, did not know God, and they lived without hope. But verse 13 says, but now you have been united with Christ. There's that hope. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Listen, being united to Christ, that is our hope, that is our good news. God is a good God. Listen, he's good, and he wants good things for his children. Hard times, students, reveal God's greatest power. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. We cannot deny it, suppress it, or keep it hidden. Listen, denial doesn't help, it only hurts. Anxiety, if you have anxiety, you feel like there's no hope. When you have no hope, you feel helpless. And when you're helpless, you do nothing. That's exactly what the enemy would want you to believe. But we need to have strength in God, understanding that he doesn't leave, he does not forsake. He is faithful and we can rely on him. I wanna give you guys some practical application tonight. So if you're in this area, if you're dealing with some of these thoughts, these tendencies, these issues, I wanna give you guys some practical things. I was able to talk to a few gentlemen this past week. One is actually a, uh, a counselor. He's got his degree in counseling. And so I kind of picked his brain a little bit and he's a Christian counselor. So I said, hey, what are some things that you speak to some of your people who come in and talk to you about these things? He said, he, he, here's a few things. He said, number one, exercise. I'm like, what, really? Yeah, exercise. Do you know that the chemicals that you and I get from our brains whenever we're exercising kind of bring energy to us? He said exercise will do wonders. The other thing he talked about, he said your diet. Your diet, exercise and diet. These things work together in the, the chemical makeup of your brain, it's physiological. He then kind of shifted gears. Those first two things kind of really point to things that impact us immediately, but he said this, he said, serve others. He says, when you begin taking the attention and focus off yourself, and you begin looking outward, you're not dwelling on all your hangups, but you're looking to serve and help. He said this, if someone in the medical field or someone close to you has prescribed medication for you to take, take your meds, this is as simple as that, take your medication. Take your meds. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm, listen, but if someone who loves you and has cared for you and has prescribed something to you, listen, it's okay. If someone, listen, if you got like a liver disease or cancer or something and they say, listen, you need to take this medicine to help your body, help your liver or to fight the cancer, listen, and if you have a sickness in your brain or the chemical imbalance and someone says, this is something that can help you, listen, listen to your doctors. Listen to your doctors. And finally, seek counsel. Seek counseling. This is part of getting out of the dark, out of the walls. 
Seek counsel. Be around older people who want to build into your life, who want to pour wisdom and talk with you and listen to you because you cannot do life alone. You cannot do life alone. You may or may not know this, but we meet every weekend. We have leaders, some of who are in this room tonight, and they're available to, to pour into your life and to impart wisdom to you and God's truth, but they're there to listen to you and pray with you and encourage you. You need to surround yourself with wise counsel or perhaps you need to go see a professional counselor. On the screen, you're gonna see the counseling department at Second Baptist Church. Here's the phone number for the counseling department at Second Baptist Church, okay? So you can write that down if you need it. I'm gonna tell you that if you are a church member, if you are a member of Second Baptist Church, this counseling department is of a free service to you. It's a free ministry to you. But if you're in a situation where you need professional Christian counseling, notice I said Christian counseling, this is the number for you. Reach out. If you're willing to talk and meet with them, they are willing to talk and meet with you. Finally, I want to close in this passage, and, and Chris and Anthony, you guys can come up if you will. This is found in the book of James. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. It says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? Are any of you sick? Like, like when we identify these issues, the, the worrying, the anxiety, the depression, and suicidal thoughts, this is mental sickness. And, and James here, the brother, half-brother of Jesus says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Now, I need you to tell you this. When people call the church all the time and say, hey, I need to speak with a pastor. Hey, would someone go and pray with my grandma or my mom or dad or someone at the hospital? Listen, we go and we pray with people. We want to do that. But listen what James is saying. Listen right here. Are any of you sick? It says, you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with the oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, such a prayer to offer in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Listen, you and I need to get our sin to the surface so that it can be dealt with. We can repent of it and we can be forgiven. It says that we can be healed of sickness. We can be healed of the things that are holding us back from experiencing God's best in his presence. And a lot of us here are people who have been, we've been forgiven but we've not been healed. We've experienced being forgiven of our sins, but maybe we just, man, we haven't been healed of these things and this sickness and these, these issues that we're battling, and we just simply need to come out, speak with someone, ask for help, ask for someone to pray with us, ask for someone to just listen to our hurts. And the Bible says that we'll be healed. This is a safe place. This is a safe place. This is not a place where we condemn you. This is not a place where we judge you. We love you. This is why you're here. This is why we're here. Because we're all broken people coming before a perfect and holy God who loves us. That's why we're here. Remember who you are in Christ, students. Remember who you are in Christ, that you are a son, you are a daughter of Jesus Christ. And embrace his kindness, embrace his truths. The gospel of Jesus is the hope that we all desperately need.
And we have to hold on to that hope every day. The, not the wishful thinking, but the I know for a fact, 100%, that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He has called me his child. He has called me his own. He has told me he loves me. He has told me he has forgiven me. He has given me purpose and he has given me life. The old life is gone. The new has come. No longer am I enslaved to the darkness of depression, but I have been set free to live for Jesus. This is a safe place.